welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Father, we pray as we come around your word this morning. We do thank you, God, for your presence amongst us, God. And we do want to say again, we love you with all our hearts. And we are so enamored, Lord, and we are so delighted in your love towards us. And God, we pray, Lord, that you will speak one more time from this pulpit, Lord. You will speak to our hearts. Your name will be glorified. Our hearts will be set on fire, Lord God. Lord, many will see, many will fear, many will put their trust in you, Lord. Uh, For each one, myself included, in this prayer, Lord God, that we would all live a life worthy of the gospel. And that, Lord, we would all have a legacy after we die, Lord God, that men, even wicked, wicked men would miss us when we're gone, oh God. But, Lord, we would have made our mark in this world for you, Lord, and that our lives would have counted in the great effort of salvation, Lord. We pray for this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Amen. So we're reading from Acts chapter 19 this morning, and uh, uh, well-known portion of Scripture for you Bible readers. But any, here we go. Read Acts 19, verse 13. A group of Jews were, was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of, of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. Seven sons of Sceva, leading priests, were doing this, but one time they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly throughout Ephesus to the Jews and Greeks alike, and a solemn fear descended on the city. And the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery bought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. Now listen to this because they've converted here in the New Living. The value of the books was several million dollars. Wow. Such was the move of God. So the message about the Lord spread wisely and had a powerful effect uh, upon that city of Ephesus. Ephesus became the largest church that we know of in the New Testament. Many, many thousands. The apostle, uh, the, the Timothy himself was the senior pastor at one stage to that church. But what a move of God, amen? amen. Millions of dollars worth. If you just, I'm, this is not my message, but I'm just so, so enamored when I was reading yesterday again, that if you just read on, there was a riot just a few days later. There's a riot in Ephesus because so many of the craftsmen that were making the idols and all these uh, demonic ritual stuff were all out of business. So they, there was a riot in the city. They wanted to kill the Christians because they were now out of pocket. See, religion hates it when it gets, out, when it gets uncovered. Amen. You know, all their buying their little child of Prague's and their little statues of this and statues of that. All the money that's to be made out of religion. Amen. And all that was burnt, put up in smoke because the truth of the gospel sets people free. Amen. <clears throat> Here we have, I want to talk about this morning how the devil can dispossess you as a Christian. <clears throat> how he can sow doubt into your mind and he does this very eloquently, very wonderfully. See, the, the, the dispossession of Christians is mostly due to a poor or wrong understanding of who you are. If you understand truthfully what God has done in your life, 
how the Holy Spirit has established not just a foothold, but his kingdom in your life. All of, when that revelation begins to drop into your spirit, it, it, it produces confidence and faith in the Christian. The, the, the Christian that is, that is not confident in their faith, or the Christian that, that has a wrong understanding of their position in Christ, they're all over the place. So, you know, they're, they're living in a form of Christianity, like he loves me, he loves me not. You know, like picking the daisy years ago. Does anyone remember the daisy picking that you, you fell in love with a girl and you didn't know if she loved you or not? So you got the daisy and you went, she loves me. She loves me not. Each petal, she loves me. She loves me not. And if you got to the last one, she loves me, then you're great. But if you love me not, well, you have to find a new girlfriend. That's about the size of it. <clears throat> and so many Christians live their Christian experience like that in this sort of constantly, you know, insecure about God's love to them. The enemy will always try to dispossess those who are insecure, ignorant of their inheritance. That's his job. He's, that's what his plan is all the time. But I want to talk about, first of all, I want to give you uh, maybe something to compare to. Here, here we have this encounter here with the demonic. This is, there's a man here, he's full of evil spirits, controlled by darkness, the religious man has nothing to fight with. The religious is always the same, friends. Learned ritualistic practices and formulas. You know, religion has its beads and its magical prayers, its holy water, its icons, uh, you know, its, uh, its relics, its bones of old dead people. As if the devils are scared of such things, you know. Oh, I'm scared of a bone of a holy person. Oh, I'm scared of a bit of holy water. Let me tell you, you have no understanding, you have no understanding of the demonic friends. They don't respect such things. They play with such things to keep people even more and more in bondage to the very same darknesses. And so these um, Jewish sons, these religious, uh, you could say, uh, you know, uh, imposters, they, they see the Apostle Paul preaching and they see the power in the name of Jesus. And they try to employ that power, of course, for, for gain because they are, they are basically your, your typical sort of you know, money-traveling evangelist. All they're interested in is in bottom line. And so if they can make a buck off the gospel, they'll quickly turn into Judaism, to Christianity, to whatever it may be at the time. And they will try to own the name of Jesus. And so they come up against the demonic and they begin to try to cast out the demons. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. And we know the answer of the devil. This devil is not, he's a bit cleverer than that. He goes, well, I know, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? You can imagine when that voice came out of this demon-possessed man. You can only imagine how the atmosphere must have changed. I'm sure they went in all bullish and full of confidence with their shirt and their ties. And they looked all together. And everybody was thinking, these are definitely the Ghostbusters coming into town. Yeah, they got it right. They're, they're, they're going to really deal with the demonic. And I want to tell you, friends, I do believe in the demonic. And so they come in and the devil knows what he's up against. He knows mutton dressed up as lamb. He knows when, you know, you can talk a good talk, but I want to tell you, the devil knows what he's fighting against. He knows who's, who belongs to who. And you see this incredible overpowering of these men by this demoniac. They're beaten, they're stripped naked, they're run out of the house, badly beaten, and the world begins to see how exposed false religion is. It's powerless against the demonic. It's powerless, friends. See, there's a difference between knowing and possessing. You can know all you want, friends, but it's not about just knowing, it's about possessing. There's a lot of religious people, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, he says they have a form of godliness, but no power. 
And it goes on to say in 2 Timothy 3, 5, just like Janus and Jambres, now they were the magicians that opposed Moses in the Old Testament. Professional religious, mimics, counterfeits. It's, he says their folly will be manifest to all. Evil men, Paul goes on to say, imposters, they will grow worse and worse, quoting someone they don't even know. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? And I want to tell you, Christian, you know, you have to know who you are because we battle not against flesh and blood. We're coming into a time, we're coming into end game here now. We're coming into a time, friends, where we're going to see the rise of Antichrist. We're going to, that spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. Every biblical norm, every social norm has been turned on its head. Good has been called evil. When you can have entire governments, there's not a government in the world that will stand up for the unborn. They'll butcher the baby in the womb and call it health care. And you know what? If I say this in a couple of years' time, probably we'll be arrested. So there's time coming, friends, where every man or woman will need to be counted. And to stand on the right side of history, let me tell you, you stand on the right side of history when you stand with God, regardless of the follow. Can you say amen? amen? If we advance to the combat without a call, without an inspiration, you will surely incur humiliation. You cannot create an inspiration or call yourself. Just because you paint a fire on a canvas, it's not going to keep you warm in a cold night, friends. False enthusiasm will be found out. Jesus and Paul, I know, but who are you? Try and preach without believing really in your own heart the doctrine. Speak of Jesus as a friend while your heart is averse from him. Let me tell you, that mocking voice, that evil imposter will be heard within. And efforts to convince others of the gospel when you yourself are not sure of it, friends, will be just like a boxer hitting the air, never laying his punches. That lie of the heart will paralyze even the mightiest of eloquence. But the simple truth of the conscience will be a power made manifest even in weakness. False teachers, they're important, friends. They have no power in the presence and before the attack of the venomous evil spirits. They are overpowered. They're humiliated. They attempt to manipulate the spiritual things, friends, the sacred things of God. When you try to manipulate the Word of God for your own selfish gain, when you try to win an argument with someone just for your own ends, when you misuse the Word of God, when you misuse the testimony of Christ, you will always end up in shame and humiliation. Always, friends. It always will. It's clearly evident how the religious formulas and rituals won't work. You can quote a Bible first. And, it, and, it, and there's nothing wrong with quoting Bible verses. But just remember, the devil also quoted them. Quoted them to Jesus. He quoted the Psalms to him. Does it not say in the Psalms that you can cast yourself off a mountain? You won't let your foot be dashed? Why don't you just jump off this mountain now? Let's put it to the test. Man, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And so even, even those who quote the scriptures, friends, you get very, very wary as a Christian. There's so many of you getting discipled on YouTube, you get discipled by men and women that are just off. Then you, you go a degree off the center, friends, you're going to get off Christ very quickly. You have to test all things the Bible says. You must prove all things. And not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. And no matter what testimony comes up in front of you, friends, I'm telling you one thing. Always test the spirits, the Bible says. Test the spirits. 
Don't be just so gullible to sit back and say yes, yes to everything. Everything must stand against the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Everything must stand in the principles and the paralleling and the life of Christ. Amen. The Word of God, friends, is supreme. You know, when I worked with Canon for many years, we used to have a saying, because I was, I was a, a technician by trade, I'm an electrician, then instrumentation, then technician. We used to have a saying, when all else fails, consult the manufacturer's handbook. Amen? When people would ring up about their photocopier or their fax machine, or whatever it was back then, you know, did you read the manual? Oh, I didn't. You know, have you been reading the manual? Have you been reading the manual? Have you, you know, because you need to be on a sure foundation. Because the time, friends, is getting to a place now where you're going to see a lot more demonic. You're going to see a lot more deception. Darkness is going to get worse. The Bible says, you know, but, you know, sin will get worse and grow and darkness will get worse. But I want to tell you, the light's going to get brighter because those of you who know him, those of you who know him. I just talked to Ray before service this morning. We both concurring the same thing. That there's a time coming where God, in his sovereignty, is going to restore miracles and gifts and power. It's going to get so dark, friends. It's going to get so evil. But I tell you, when sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen. In that evil, ancient world that Paul walked into a city of emphasis, of Ephesus, in that city, friends, it was completely given to darkness, completely given to sorcery and magic and immorality. It was absolutely wicked. It was like walking into hell itself. Everything was against the testimony of Christ. Everything was against the worship of God. There was false gods, false practices, immoral practices, evil practices, the practice of worshiping evil itself. And yet Paul went into this world and he proclaimed the gospel. <laughs> I tell you, friends, that they started taking their ritualistic books and their beads and they're throwing them on the fires and God is beginning to set them free. Overpowered and humiliated. But I want to ask us today, because this is what the devil will always come to you as a Christian. Oh no, Pastor Nick's a good guy, as he might say to you. Pastor Steve and, and the men, are, but who are you? Who are you, Christian? Have you ever heard that voice coming against you? And sometimes you begin to second guess who you are. I want to, I want to tell you this morning, you don't need to be second guessing who you are anymore. I want you to ask yourself today who you are, but you need to know who you are. The Christian is in a constant fight, and the fight is for your faith. Hallelujah. It's to constantly rob you of your confidence in Christ and what he's achieved. That's why if he can dislodge you from there, if he can move you left or right of Christ, he has you. He has you in a tailspin. Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. Uh, hallelujah. So if you put your faith in Christ today, the Bible says you're righteous, that his death was your death, his resurrection is your resurrection, his life is your life. You're saved by faith, but you're also to live by faith. And the Christian's faith will always be under challenge. As a Christian, my faith must have a consistency to it. In other words, if there's a consistency to your faith, there's always going to be fruit in your life. If there's a consistency, what I mean is that today is a great day. Today is the Lord's day. But tomorrow is Monday, the miserable one. And yet we can have an ability to stand as we stand now in the midst of this great assembly. To go out there into a world and have a confidence regardless of whether there's one with me or nobody with me. I have an absolute conviction that Christ is with me. Hallelujah. That's what God wants for you and for I. To be absolutely so gripped in your heart this morning with who you are in Christ. That you are the light of the world. That you are God's living testimony. Hallelujah. I must know who I am in Christ. Elisha was with Elijah 
and when they were surrounded, sorry, Elisha was surrounded in that city of Samaria, when Ben-Hadad had sent his army to kill him, and Gehizia, his servant, was there, and all he saw was the darkness. All he saw was, I think I might have picked the wrong side here. There's more on their side than there is on our side. That's what he's thinking. Until Elisha said, no, God opened his eyes that he would see. And I believe this morning, God wants to open our eyes this morning to see who is on our side. Amen. God wants to open your eyes so you can know without any shadow of a doubt who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A new life has come. I've been born again. The stony heart has been replaced with the heart of flesh. A new spirit has been put within me. And I will be your God. That's what he says in Ezekiel 36, 26. I'm not of this world. I've passed from death to life. Those who know their God, Daniel says in chapter 11, verse 32, those who know these things, friends, will accomplish great exploits. There's nothing emboldens a man or a woman no more than knowing that they stand for what's right. Hallelujah. There's nothing will embolden you more when you know that you are so secure in God today because once you put your faith and life in the hands of God, He surrounds you with His power. Hallelujah. You are invincible until He says otherwise, friends. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Until He's ready to take you home, nothing can get in. Not even a demon can take your life. All these false teachings going around. Oh, the devil took him. Well, if he wasn't the Lord's, maybe. But I want to tell you, the devil takes no Christian. My, my days are in his hands. Yes. My days are in his hands, friends. Yes. I don't belong to that kingdom of darkness anymore. I belong to the kingdom of his son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know who I am as a Christian. I might be the most talented one in Cork's church. I might know as much Bible as the other one, but I know who I have believed, as Paul says, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. That's living by faith. Hallelujah. That just didn't happen at a once-for-all occasion. That happened at one time in history and brought you into the kingdom. But every day you say in your heart, I know who I have believed. Hallelujah. And not only do I know about him, I know him. The testimony of every Christian is the most powerful thing that you possess. Nobody can take it away from you. Hallelujah. They can imprison you, friends. They can deny your belief system. They can ridicule you. They can laugh at you. They can economically sanction, but they can't take Christ from you. He lives in you. That's the testimony of every Christian. There was a time when I didn't know him. There was a time when I dwelt in utter darkness, friends, and yet the Holy Spirit of God came in. And to understand who it is now that lives in you. I want to tell you the most honest and objective view of ourselves is not appraised by us, but by God. Hallelujah. Jesus says, you're clean. That's the answer then. Thank you, Lord. He says, you're clean because of the words I spoke over you. The response should be immediately, thank you so much, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, no, I'm not really God. You don't know what went on in my mind yesterday. You don't know what I just said a while ago. You're clean because what I speak over you. Hallelujah. I'm the one that exercises that prerogative. Amen. I do it on the basis that you have confessed me as Lord and Savior, that you have repented of your sin, and I surround you with all the condolences that you need to know that my blood speaks a better word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. All the enemy, all the darkness that surrounds you, it cannot get through the blood today. Amen. We, we celebrated the cross. The cross, friends, is the legal contract, friends. It's there, friends. His blood. That's where the word covenant comes from. It means to make a contract, to cut something, and by blood seal it. And at the cross of Jesus Christ, friends, the promises of God that he would never leave you or forsake you became actually effective at that moment in history. Need to understand who it is that's in your remembering this very building here. Sandra remembers this. She was only probably five or six years of age. She was here with her mom and dad. I was a bit older. And uh, Douglas Cry was ministering. Now, these lovely chairs weren't here, but the place was full of people. Balconies full, ground floors full of people. We were doing a healing service. This is back in, oh, it must be late 70s. And at that time, you know, healing services weren't common in evangelical gospel, wasn't, was barely known. But I remember the people were coming in, they were bringing the sick, there was, there was Catholic priests and nuns, charismatic, renewed people in, you know, different evangelical groups were coming in for about, for about a week of prayer meetings to pray for the sick. <clears throat> and of course, being the nosy little uh, preteen I was at the time, I wanted to get a bird's eye view of everything. Do you know how you see little Siri walks around the church there? She's as cute as a button, but she's always sniping in to see what's going on. What? I think I was a bit like that. I wanted to see the action. Someone's going to get healed. I wanted a bird's eye view, and I remember sneaking up, and I remember looking from the side, and he's just, he's an old man. Was like, I was a little bit underwhelmed, I have to be honest with you. Even though it was this air of, this air of, uh, of something happening, I wasn't physically seeing some stuff. <clears throat> People were getting touched, people were weeping, people were claiming that God was healing their back. And, and he wasn't on the high person, he wasn't a high-powered personality. He just simply God didn't heal. He moved on. He believed he wasn't trying to hype people up, push them down, push them sideways, move their jaw, you know, move your leg, move your back. He wasn't doing any of that nonsense. He simply came and he began to pray, and God would move through this man, and people were getting healed. <clears throat> but I remember watching this this couple came and they drove up from Limerick. I got the backstory later on. This these two men brought this woman up from Limerick. She was involved in the cult. She was very strong in the coven in Limerick. She, was, she possessed powers, according to them, that she could move objects, and, and some horror stories were coming attached to this girl. So they challenged her at an open air. If you want to be free, why don't you come to this meeting in Cork? There's a man called Douglas Quay. He prays for the sick. He can pray for you. And she came not out, not out of protest. She was happy to come along, but she came in more of a, in, in a defiance. She wasn't ready to relinquish her darkness, friends. But I remember during the service, he's up here praying. At the time, there was a center aisle. There wasn't two aisles. There was one center aisle and the chairs to the side and a little gap down these sides. And I remember they brought her in the back and they brought her down the side. And then she started to scream. And she's like sedated me. She starts to scream. She starts to roar. She throws the two guys off and she lunges for the preacher. And he said, he must have been in his late 70s. I mean, I could have blown him over myself at that age. And he, he doesn't even, he hears the noise, he hears the drama. He doesn't even get up and go, what's going on? Everybody's getting up off their chairs. You can hear all the chairs moving. People are getting excited. There was a couple of priests pulling out crucifixes and all this sort of stuff. Honestly, and she comes running down and, and she's ready to attack him. And he just simply turns around. He goes, in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, it's like she hit a wall. Boom. She fell down on her face onto the ground and she went along on her belly for a few feet, got up and fell again on her belly again, up and fell until she got to the back door there and they brought her out and they tried to pray over her. But I want to tell you one thing, such a fear fell upon everybody. Even me, I was terrified. I went home that night, couldn't sleep, had to move the mattress into my sister's bedroom on the ground. 
was covering my head with the blankets, just a little peak hole here for some air to get in, sweating, sweating, sweating. Because I had seen the first time I'd seen the demonic. First time I'd seen real demon possession. It was, not, it was frightening. It was like some, something you see on these movies and television. It frightened me. It terrorized me. You know, I, 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 you know, I was in school. I was terrorized by it. But only to find out my mom was exactly the same. She was, and she was lying alongside my dad. And she had the light on in our bedroom. <laughs> See, there was a time as Christians, we didn't know who we were. We knew we were saved, but we didn't know what power was inside in us. Do you understand? We weren't fully aware of the glory of God, the power of God, friends. And that's what I want you to leave with this morning. To understand the power of God that is inside you. There came a time for all of us where God brought us into a revelation. For me, it was quite simple. I was at a prayer meeting in our old church. I was only a young boy. And my mom and dad may or may not remember this because we had many people coming in. For me, it was a victory. But there's many people coming in. And at that prayer meeting, it was only about eight or ten people. And I happened to be sitting by the door, which you don't do in an inner city church when you're on your own and young guys. You don't sit by the door. Sit safer, okay? Because everybody comes in and out of those prayer meetings and they're not always the, the most uh, socially compliant sort of people. This guy came in, he sat behind me and he started to manifest demons and I knew it. I could sense it. And this fear came up upon me like it did back here in the Connolly Hall. This fear of the demonic came over me. Now I'm sure there was others, but at that moment it felt like it was just me in the room with this man. Felt like there's nobody else there, but everybody was cognizant, I'm sure, of what was happening. But I remember standing as others did and turned around and said, in the name of Jesus, with that, that man got up off his chair, ran out through that door and down that stairs. Now, I don't know if he was ever set free from demons, but I knew something. There was power in the name of Jesus. There was power in the name of Jesus. And I began to see that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And as a boy of 12 years of age, I learned a valuable lesson. That we do not need to fear, friends. We don't need to be on the back foot when we come up against the demonic because we just don't merely intellectually know about him. We actually know him. The word know is an intimate word. It's the same as Adam knew his wife and they beget. It's actually denotes an intimacy with God. It's not just an intellectual grasp of who he is and all the theology because you can be sitting here this morning with all your doctrine and all your ducks lined in a row like the seven sons of Sceva. I'm sure they probably would have a lot of the doctrine. Oh yeah, he rose from the dead. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, he is the son of God but they never knew him but when you know him it's different when you know him friends you possess you're possessed with him and for him and you begin to believe what he says about you when a man or a woman comes to Christ God makes a declaration over you you're not one of the seven sons of Sceva you are born again the DNA of heaven is in you you've been washed with the blood of Jesus the Holy Spirit dwells in you and he pronounces a decree over you. And John tells us in that great book in chapter 3, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of the sons of God. And that is who you are. You're not children, you're sons now, friends. Declared by God, he's lavished his love on you. And instead of being the reluctant bride, you know the reluctant bride, you know, sooner this, she runs up the altar, she runs out the side door, she doesn't want to get married, and she attempts it again next week. Don't be the reluctant bride. Don't always be so insecure in your relationship with the Lord and who you are. And don't let your failure and even your sin knock you off that place that God has called you to be. Amen. Amen. Don't you think that any of your sins can eclipse the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Don't you stand before the Father and say, oh, Jesus did an phenomenal job, but my sin is just that little bit bigger. Well, what an insult to Calvary. I don't care the sum total of all our sins. God says means nothing compared to one blood, one drop of Jesus' blood. I want to tell you, the father looks at his son who went through the torture and agony of a Calvary for you and for me. And he says, that's enough. That's enough for the whole world at all times of history. I, I don't need to see anymore. He paid it all. Amen. Your sin is not bigger than that cross. That cross that towers over you. Hallelujah. Towers over you. Yes. It's only the devil comes along and tries to put you into that false place, friends. The Spirit itself, Romans 8, 17 says, testifies and bears witness that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, it's so we suffer with Him that we may also be glorified together. Galatians 3, 29 says, if we be in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. No demon of hell has authority over you, Christian. No demon of hell has any authority over you. No, you have authority over them. Yes. So many Christians going around today trying to cast demons out of other people. Uh, that's fine. But they're trying to cast demons out of Christians. Let me tell you, friends, light and darkness don't fellowship in the same place. Yes. If you're Christ, then no darkness, no power of hell can enter your life. Yes. Cannot do it. I remember telling my sons this very simple teaching many years ago. You know, when you send in the bed and you, hit the, you hear the thump on the floor and you go up, what's wrong? There's something under my bed. Did you ever get up when you're, you're little kids? There's something in the corner, something dark. And I, I have to persuade my kids that there's nothing there. And this was going on and on, you know. Oh, there's something in the room and we pray and I'd hold the hands and everything. And one day it just dawned on me. I went upstairs and I said, hold on. Who owns this house? They say, you, Dad. I said, no, no, I've given this house to somebody. Oh, Jesus does. Now I said, outside that window, they might look in at us. There might be demons all around, I said. But I want to tell you, because this house belongs to Jesus, ain't no demon coming in here. Amen. Belongs to him. And, I, and it, it began to dawn on him. Now, I'm not guaranteeing outside the road, <laughs> but I want to tell you, in this house here, ain't no demon coming in here. Yes. Hallelujah. There's only one that fills this temple. He doesn't share it with somebody else. Amen. He doesn't share half the seat with the devil. Let me tell you, friends. When you gave your life to Christ, you give all your life to Christ. So don't confuse the manifestation of your sinful nature with the demonic, which is a mistake that a lot of people do. There's still that old nature in us that we reckon dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you walk with God, you begin to see it die bit by bit by bit. Amen. And even when it raises its ugly head, you don't say for one second, I'm not a his. You don't say for one second, I'm not his. It's because I'm his. His power and His blood, hallelujah, extinguishes all, all the consequences of my sin. That's the confidence that you have as a Christian. When you don't know Him, like the seven sons of Sceva, you can just parrot the answers. You can just talk about a Christ that you've no relationship with. But when you know Him and when He knows you, friends, regardless of your failure, I want to tell you, you are built upon a rock and no demon of hell has any authority over you. You must confess as well as believe, friends. For with the heart the man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth he confesses unto salvation. So if you're one of these believers that just kind of did it all in your heart, I believe that worked at the time. But there comes a time with your actual mouth, you have to say, no way, I belong to him. You need to articulate it. 
As Irish people, we're so introverted when I did all this internalizing about my faith. Forget about that, friends. Well, don't forget about it, but you understand you need to add to the internalizing. You need to add a declaration of confession. Because with that confession, friends, you begin to say to yourself, yes, not only do I believe, I'm telling everybody. I'm telling myself that I believe. I'm telling the world I believe. Amen. And you're stating the reality. And when you state that reality, let me tell you, there's a power that comes upon you. There's a power that emboldens you. I want to tell you, no demon of hell can stare you down. I've seen many demons since then. I've been around the world. I've been preaching. I've been in, in, in the dumps of Soweto's. Southwest townships in different places in Africa where there was horrendous things happening. Saw the power of God move, friends. Didn't fear it ever. I just, I, one thing, I, I fear the flesh far more than I fear the devil. I do. I fear people more than I fear the devil. Because flesh, friends, is horrendous. Fleshly behavior can cause terrible, terrible consequences. But you must confess as well as believe. Expect now, Christian, great things from God. And now because you know who you are in Christ, attempt great things for God. That was William Carey who went into inland India. When the bluff of the enemy comes accusing you and says, Jesus is good and the pastor is good, but who are you? This is what you're to say to him. I am one who believes. I, am, I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. This is what you tell him. This is what you say to yourself. This is what you confess with your mouth. I know who I believe and I'm persuaded. When the fear and failures come in your direction, will you keep your faith in what God says about you? Because that's the battle by faith. The just shall live by faith. And even if you have behaved in an unflattering way, you are not to dislodge yourself because God doesn't dislodge you. From that place, I've been called a son or a daughter of the living God. It's in that place of weakness that I'm strong. Amen. Where I can go boldly before the throne of grace in time of need, as Paul says. It's great to come into the presence of God when you're really strong and you're just up for a great worship time. But let me tell you, the Bible says, sweet are the songs in the night. It's talking about the times of darkness and weakness that you can raise a hallelujah. Some of you came in here this morning, you dragged yourselves in, you didn't want to worship. You did it anyhow, and as you began to truly worship, it's the greatest worship that comes from you. Because you didn't come from a very positive place, but you entered in by the blood of Jesus anyhow. And God did something in your life, I'm absolutely sure of that. You could have lay in bed, you could have sulked, you could have taken it easy, you could have pampered your flesh. You could have agreed with the devil, but no, you came in here in your weakness and God began to move upon you. I want to tell you, no temptation can seize you. None of this common to man, but God is faithful. God is always faithful. God will never leave you. He'll never abandon you. He says he's married to you. If there's anyone walking away from this relationship, let me tell you, it's not him. Always ask me, people ask me, oh, can you lose your salvation? Well, I don't think you get up from your front row and think it fell out of your back pocket or something like that. If you ask me this, if there's anyone leaving this relationship, if it's possible, the only one would be you, not, not him. Because he's in for the long haul. He's committed. He says, I put my design upon you. I put my Holy Spirit upon you. I sent my son to die. Do you think I'm just going to abandon you because you had some falters along the way? That you'd, oh, some of them are disgraceful. Yes, they are disgraceful. And I'll deal with that, says the Lord. I'm going to deal with that in you. But I, you know what, I've got children and sometimes they do some flattering things. Can't really think of anything, Nathan. Mom says you were very compliant. But I have one or two others in that household that I could remember a few things, but they were still equally my sons. 
and equally loved. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. That's the, and that's the heart of an earthly father. Can you imagine heavenly father? Who says your, the price of all that's already been paid? Do you think for one second that God is looking for a way to put you out when he's done everything to bring you in? Oh, that Catholic lens I brought to the gospel that, oh, he's a cranky grandfather. He's just waiting for me to slip up. He's just waiting for me to make a mistake. That's who God is. He's mean. He's vitriol. He's just trying to put me into hell. Let me tell you, you know nothing of God if that's your view of God because that is not the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16 says, for God so loved this world. And the Bible says God is love. So anything that you know to be love and truthful and beautiful and pure, it all came from him. He's the source of it anyhow. Now switch on a little bit. If that be true and it is true, then now you have to know the heart of God towards you, Christian, this morning. is one that's immovable. He's the never-changing God. Yes. From everlasting to everlasting, I have loved you. When the bluff of the enemy comes to you and says, well, who are you? Who do you think you are to talk to him or her about Jesus? Didn't you just say this earlier on? You just tell him who you are in Christ. I know who I believe. I'm persuaded. When the fears and failures come your direction, are you going to hold faith? Yes, I will. Hallelujah. The precious faith and the wondrous work of the Lord Jesus. Will your confidence be in that anchor, that rock, that Christ our Lord is to you? Hallelujah. Your house built upon a sure foundation. Yes, it is unshakable, unmovable, that's who you are. I used to wonder, I used to hear all these songs before I was a Christian, we shall not, we shall not be moved. And I had no idea what they were. We used to sing them at soccer matches and rugby matches, but it was written by the Onego spirituals back in America. You know, they would talk about not being moved off the rock. Yeah. Regardless of their suffering, they would not deny their Savior. What men and women of faith and character, friends, like a tree planted by the river. Oh, hallelujah, you should not be moved. They were men that had already died to their own understanding and only, only imbibed that with God, which, what God said to them, who they were. Unshakable, unmovable, undefeatable. You are clean because of what I say about you, what I speak over you. So the seven sons of Sceva, the religious mimics, the, the imposters, friends, they'll always be there. But for you, you know who you have believed. Hallelujah. And you are persuaded. That he is able. And he's, there's still time, friends. You might say there's been some flattering few years of my life as a Christian. There's been some things that have been taking place that I'm not proud of. And I'm sure. I'm a pastor. I deal with people. I talk to people. I meet the worst failures among Christian people. Among Christian leaders, even Christian pastors. Christian ministries. From worship leaders to ushers. We're all human, friends. There's, a, there's that old nature still there. But I want to tell you, there's a power that dwarfs it. There's a, there's, there, there's a righteousness that shines through the worst of failure, amen. And whatever your failure is or has been, there is a place of victory for you in Jesus, hallelujah. I want to tell you, he has not rejected you. He will never reject you. But should you stay in that sin, your heart will harden and you will reject him for sure, friends. Because that's what happens in the new covenant. The new covenant, God says, I will never turn from doing you good. But if you let that sin go on, even though the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and the Holy Spirit is pleading, what you're now saying you're still his he still loves you he loves you as if you never sinned but you're not hearing that all you're hearing and seeing is your sin and your heart is getting hard mm. Hebrews chapter 3 the very last verse for which did it not enter my rest was it not for their unbelief sin will cause unbelief cause you to turn away from the living God oh friends this morning the just shall live by faith Amen. faith in what God says Hallelujah. and God says to the Christian 
you're clean, you're mine. And don't let any power of hell, don't let any demon, any theology, no matter how eloquent it serves, if they try to tell you oh, you've got a demon in you, well, then you never have the Spirit of Christ to start with. And they'll have you up and down and in and out. You'll be an emotional mess, amen. You'll be in and out. You'll be running around the place, going all forms of drama. But the Christian stands upon the rock, amen. amen. He stands upon Calvary and a finished work of the grace of God and says, this is where I hang my hat. And I'm trusting him regardless of my failure. And I confess my failure to him because I know he'll meet me with grace. Amen. And he'll give me the victory. And no demon has any right to bluff you out of your inheritance. No Christian, no theology, no preacher has any right to dislodge you from the body of Jesus. Amen. Now stand this morning as we go to God and we begin to confess who we are as we worship him. Amen. I want you to know this morning... You've been grafted into him. You're founded upon the rock. Hallelujah. It cost him everything, of course. It cost him his life. We celebrated that. We never moved from the cross. Now there comes a time, and the, whole, the old hymn writer used to write this. He said, No more without thee, glorious prince of life. Life is not without thee. Aid me in my strife. Make me more as conquerors through thy deathless love. Lead me safe to Jordan, to thy home above. And so doubting Christian this morning, you may doubt your employer, and you may even doubt your beloved pastor here, and that's fine. But be said of you, I will no longer doubt him. He calls me his. He put his Holy Spirit in me. He has put, set his affections upon me. And as the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, for I know who I have believed. That's what you have to say now. I know who I've believed. And I'm persuaded. Come on, say it with me. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. No devil can dislodge you. No demon can dislodge you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have to know who you are. Because when you know who you are, you can eyeball the powers of darkness on your weakest day I said on your weakest day and the devil will have to run because Christ is in you the glory is it's all about Christ it's not about you're being strong in the day or weak in the day if it's about if it was just about I can take on these things when I'm strong when it's all about you then isn't it whether I'm strong or whether I'm weak the powers of darkness go running friends because Christ is in you and you need to stop cowering in fear and cowering in unbelief and once you get hold of that revelation, let me tell you, you're going to start standing. You're going to start speaking. You're going to start laying on hands. You're going to start preaching the gospel. And the victory of God will be all over your life. And men and women will see a light shining through you. God will help you. God will be with you. Come on, let's just worship. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.